0: Uh, Yes, here we go. Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. This is Eric, and I'm sitting across uh, from Andy, and we are in our opulent, luxurious, soundproofed coffee pot from outside studio.
1: Except it's not totally soundproofed, and the light is buzzing because it just got painted, and we are in the flight path, so this might be the B-level studio in town. Right. But it's... But it's getting there. But there's we sound do, panels laying around. Yeah, we that are do gonna have be on an A
0: level when we have more important guests. We could bring in maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah there is another. There's a, but you got to pay to be on there. Oh, Which, by it. the way, I know we're. I don't want to make our whole introduction a long time, but I know a few people who have actually paid for your book yep. on this Kickstarter or whatever yep. to yep. be on our podcast. Yeah. And you haven't given an update on your book, and on top of that, they haven't been here.
1: Well, we have a topic for next time.
0: All right. Cool. Cause we
1: already talked. So we talked about addiction. <laughs> no. We talked about two services and then we, uh, we actually politics. talked a little bit about politics, the Brett Kavanaugh hearing, um, and uh, how we're feeling about all that. So
0: enjoy it. It was really
1: good. Say hello. This is Faith Over Breakfast. My name is Andy Littleton. I'm here with Eric Seepin. We're pastors in Tucson, Arizona. We have breakfast, in which Eric doesn't eat. I am eating Starbucks food, which is different. Yeah, feels a little bit wrong.
0: It is feeling Faith Over Breakfast. We so we have to have someone having breakfast. I was hungry, and so we just drove down the street. Somebody would like to bring us breakfast every mm-hmm. single Tuesday morning at 8.30 at your office. I think that would be a really great thing. Yeah. And then we talk about wherever they brought us breakfast from. Mm-hmm. Or if you own the place and you brought us breakfast. No complaints. We'll give you
1: free press. Our, free press. Our massive audience. Anyway, we're here. We're, uh, we don't script this. We, uh, we have min- very minimal thoughts we come into this with, but the idea is you get to hear pastors work things out. So, some things, Eric, that I was, uh, I mentioned to you as we ran over to Starbucks was, um, been talking with some people about addiction. That's a thing that's come up. Um, the Brett Kavanaugh hearing, uh, just hearing about that on the radio. Um, that's interesting to me. Um, what, what was the other? There's something else. Oh, two services. you church is yeah, having, having two, two service. services. Your yes. church is doing that. We're not, um, so we could talk about which one of us is actually in God's will. Yeah, we could do that. Which um, yes. would be great. Um, we can mention we're we're in what is supposed to be becoming our podcast studio. It's looking and insane because I, I just painted it. It's probably going to sound tinny because the sound panels are just sort of laying in here.
0: And I noticed know our lights have a buzz. They I, have I, that. That's oh, going to be a on. Buzzing light. Yeah, so if you hear a nice little buzz.
1: We're going to get rid of that light.
0: The, you, uh, it's the light in our new podcast studio. We have a little coffee machine that looks like it was uh, maybe found in storage somewhere. Actually, a guy set it out in front of his shop and put a free sign on it, and I huh. put it in here. There you That's go. That's the truth. That's how we got our coffee pot. And some cool mugs. Yeah, the mugs, mugs are pretty cool. I like the mugs. Handmade by, Handmade by a friend of mine.
1: Yeah.
0: Right, so not one of them is the same, but they are painted kind of the same.
1: I think glazed is the proper term. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So let's work our way through this. Since let's be honest, I am very politically, or at least uh, current event, um, ignorant over the last few months, in particular. Why is
1: that? Why are you so? Uh, why have you tuned out? I've I, been, I've been kind of tuning out too. I such
0: fatigue, and it's mm-hmm. just honestly, I feel very powerless. It feels chaotic. Um, thinking about it seems in some ways not counterproductive to my friendships.
1: Can I point out that you are very influenced by Larry Crabb, right?
0: Uh, Dr. Larry Crabb? Yeah. yeah.
1: Isn't his big thing that, that men of courage need to speak into chaos?
0: Right. But I'm also, how does, how does I'm this also, comport? I'm also a big fan of, uh, Jordan Peterson, who says maybe you should take care of yourself so that you can oh, become a light to other people, and I think I'm tired. Yeah, I think Larry you know, would Jordan, agree with that. I'm still trying to figure out how to just get my own life together enough to offer didn't, good things to Jesus people. Didn't Jesus once me. say um
1: think about yourself and take care of yourself first? Um,
0: well, it's interesting that Jesus says that the great the two commandments right is to love God with everything, and then is to love others as yourself yeah like th- there's an indication Is, does
1: as have a connotation of well, after you have disengaged from your culture and uh, yeah that's a good question I don't think all your I money have
0: disengaged and from my local culture per se I'm just disengaged from <laughs> the political circus yeah. that we call present time
1: yeah I, I I have too I mean I can't keep up it's it's like there's every day there's something crazy right and, right I mean, I guess I didn't pay as much attention before. It's a weird thing about like the Trump presidency is it's people are paying more attention, but it's but it's all like insane. But it's also I find myself thinking about what's going on more than I did before. I wonder, is there more going on or is what's going on just getting way more press? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But, I, but I'm overwhelmed by it and I can't. I actually listened to a little bit of news in the truck on the way over, which I haven't been because it's just like exhausting. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, and, and to be honest, uh, I mean, Obama and then prior, you know, George Bush, no matter what controversy surrounded them, they brought a level of peacefulness. And civility. And, and civility and, and to our culture. Um, and I, I would argue that maybe Clinton – was disruptive in that. And we longed for something a little bit more peaceful and we did Mm -hmm. pick, you know, two men who provided more peace, but then Donald Trump just disrupted all of that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, by his personality and the way he engages people, regardless if you agree with him or not in his political positions, the way he engages is not Mm -hmm. a civil way. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's very obvious. You can at least make that judgment. Right. Um, so it, it for me, it's just like no, I can't handle this. This is too much. And, and then you were talking about the confirmation hearings. Yeah. So I I
1: wasn't paying attention or watching them yesterday. I'm just hearing this on the news that a couple words in, there's interrupting and and a, and a well a move to adjourn. And I know that's a political move and that was calculated. It wasn't just like kids on the playground yelling, but um. It seems like what happened yesterday with the Brett Kavanaugh hearings beginning is the method was talking over each other from both sides. It was just, um, you know, the, the hearing begins, the move to adjourn is just immediately stated. The guy running the hearing just keeps talking through them. They talk over him. Um, I mean, it seems like that was the... the me- I'm sure these methods have been employed. I Actually, I know that there was the whole Merrick Garland um, refusal to... Hold a hearing. I mean, this isn't a brand new thing. i right. are not blaming one group or the other. I just think, I don't know. I, I've been thinking about like the, just the democracy. Like, is it, and we hold this thing up as this thing that is, we have to offer to the world. And it's like, is it working? Is this going well? Right. It doesn't feel like it. Um, I don't know. You, you weren't paying attention to, like, hearing that, what, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean,
0: historically, I guess my thing is the ways that, that, like, communism and Nazism and socialism, you know, extreme socialism states keep their people under control is they actually aggravate the differences that people mm-hmm. have and they, and certainly the petty ones and they keep a, uh, like a, a tension between everybody so that they can do what they want. Right. And what has been great about America in general is that even though people disagree, there's, there has been a history of civility at some level and there has been a a history of unity even when you disagree for a, for a purpose of keeping your government stable and your country stable. Um, and so certainly that our country has been, you know, up and down and there's been turmoil and all that. I'm not saying that, but there is a difference there because we're able to have neighbors who disagree and can enjoy each other and live in a civil way. And that's not, you know, the, the tension between neighbors is not pinpointed by the government and trying to like separate people. But we've become so polarized that it's very difficult for us to be in relationship right. or in conversation with right. each other or listen or believe that the other person has a valuable point regardless if we agree or not. Right. Yeah. It's, um, man, it's just messy. And
1: it's like, it, when it when it comes to the point where interrupting and talking over people is what what's that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How annoying is that? Um, when when that becomes the go to method of what we have to do, mm-hmm. like oh man, we got a problem here. We do, and um, it, you know. I'm sure somebody has thought very deeply and is, and is currently writing some article for the New York Times that's going to spell that out very well that you should probably go find and read because that's not where we're at. Right. Because we're just talking off the top of our heads. Um, but it's, uh, um, it it's, it's disturbing. It, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't value, um, it, it's just proof that the, the divide that's been caused and created and perpetuated has gotten to the point to where we don't even think that we can listen to each other and be safe. Um, I mean, is that? Is that yeah, summer? no. and
0: uh, Well, I mean, what's interesting is that I would say if you could go back to the Clinton administration, um, so sort of the mid-90s, uh, and if you were in a, let's just talk about church, because that's what we're in. Right. If you're in a moderate to conservative church, and you voted for Clinton. You have to be very quiet. About you just that. don't. Talk you don't it. talk about that. I think that we've done a complete reversal. That you can find even in moderate to conservative churches, people who voted for Trump being on the. At least it's evenly divided, or maybe you're looked down upon. Yeah. Um, for the way that you voted, based on like. Christian beliefs. Like there's a judgment made that that's not a biblical vote or that's not a vote that is in line with where God would be because that's X, Y, and Z. I think
1: that would be true in our cultural space Yes, here in Tucson, Arizona. If you, I think people at our church who voted for Trump probably don't really want to talk about it. Right.
0: Whereas elsewhere in the country, it would be the exact reverse. Yeah. And I think that, so maybe we could talk just a little bit about like how does a body of, Followers of Jesus work this out.
1: Yeah? yeah. How do we do that to where we don't just have to shut down or uh, or talk over each other? Right. How does that work out? Right. Yeah.
0: So because in my church, there are two positions that play out, and, and both of them have a biblical argument. One is that uh, I have to vote Democratic because Scripture is very clear that we're to take care of the orphan yep. and we're to take care of the... Um, people who do not have yep. and so they're very pro paying taxes and they're very pro uh taking care of the poor and they I think the democrats are closer to that mm-hmm. than the republicans and then i on my other side the republican community or the conservative community want needs to vote republican because of abortion right. and right to you know life and so that's religious freedom and religious freedom these are two big things that they can't if you vote mm-hmm. Democratic, they think those are going to be taken away from them, or are going to be pushed on. And so you have these two tensions as to which one is more biblical, or want more moral, or more. Um,
1: and we opened our in our Pentateuch series at Mission Church. We went into Leviticus yesterday, so I I was reading a lot of Leviticus, and I was struck by the fact that in Leviticus, I mean, you've got very strong moral imperatives. Um, But some of those include taking care of the poor and not charging interest to your brother and uh, how to treat basically the low, the low, the people that are the most vulnerable in the community. But then there's obviously it's primarily about worship um, and the the worship of of God specifically. I would say that in our day is aimed at the church um, versus the nation. But it was, uh, but it doesn't separate these things. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it's not, in the book of Leviticus, I don't think you can read one of those and say like, ah, this is the Republican agenda, or ah, this is the Democratic agenda. You see both. You see an absolute care for the poor and an absolute high moral imperative, which would include things like taking a life, Mm -hmm. um, which would cover abortion and other things. I mean, very serious about those things, very serious about taking care of the vulnerable. It doesn't. So so if the Bible doesn't separate those two, we shouldn't separate right. across that party line.
0: Well, I had an interesting comment from somebody at our church who is pretty I'd say pretty well known in the the pro-life movement in mm-hmm. in Tucson. And he said he was rereading the Old Testament and what he realized that it's in the Old Testament, sanctity of life is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. And Interesting. How that did, how did kind like of that? disrupted And well, the fact that God had no problem wiping out children and babies, right? In certain situations. in certain yeah. situations, and so it's it, not you know, as cut and dry, right? And that was kind of. It's a hard. He it's was a hard having to kind of hard. wrestle with that and say, "Okay, well, what does this mean? Hmm. You know, what does this mean for my modern day, right. new covenant um, view of of abortion and?" and Yeah, life, and it's like some interesting things to wrestle through there. But at least it was an honest Mm -hmm. wrestling, which is unusual, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah, wow. Um, and it's interesting
1: that he was willing to reflect on that. Right, and and that's what it seems. It doesn't seem, you know, it seems like there are assumed principles that are taught, and maybe they're not utterly biblical on, on either side. Right, that it that are layered over the Bible, and there's not a a willingness to read Scripture and say let let me examine this held belief that I have and see, sure. um, is this indeed the the case, or am I missing something, or
0: is there more to it than that? Well, and I think we've you know in our culture, partly why it's so hard to have these conversations in church is that over the last fifty years. And, uh, our approach to inerrancy, because we had to fight the liberal movement against scripture, has minimized the complexities yeah. of of what we're reading. Sure, right? Because we're talking about, you know, we're arguing over or, over ideas of every jot and tittle, and we're arguing about we're arguing about insane things that scripture really isn't trying to even talk about. Yeah, right. It's you're talking about these really complex historical documents and stories histories of israel and its interaction with god and then this god's fulfilling all of these things to jesus but the complexity of that is not this simple and so when we're trying to bring our everyday life to things it's it's, there's not a lot of easy answers about how we understand things
1: well and then the uh, i mean yeah it's not that simple i agree Uh, but then there's also the what is the what is the in Christ and the modern day application of some of these scriptures, because right. our Bible is primarily the Old Testament, right? And mm. if it is that you know what was in the nation of Israel ought to be in the nation of Israel now, or what is was in the nation of Israel ought to be in a a new Israel, um, a new people of God today.
0: Right. Um, Brian, 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 is is air? <laughs> Brian, is now an airplane. is airplane, and the
1: interesting thing is he actually. Works on airplanes. This probably much more interesting. interesting That's and appropriate. And appropriate. So Brian—that's the I was looking for. Brian's trying to speak to this issue by flying over us. Yeah. He sent that. He did. Brian. Wow.
0: You're this so is going to be an interesting and noisy podcast. We'll have the buzz. We'll have the. the yeah, airplanes. We got
1: to work on that. Um, anyway, the uh, man Brian. Brian, keep it to yourself. But the, uh, but the way that that works out, like I, I was thinking about the, um, in, in my sermon, you know, this, this stuff that's aimed at Israel is quite aimed at the church today. But we tend to take that and aim it at the nation. And, and I could see how that could be confusing. But the, like, this is the people of God. The worship of God is at the center of their lives. God has called them out from the other nations. He doesn't demand that all the other nations do this. In fact, there's never an expectation that that would be the case. It would be that these, like, people from the other nations are called to come in to right. the people of God. So there is the call to them, but not, um, you know, there's, it, it's an interest, and I'm sure that could all be, you know, argued and parsed out. But that, to me, yes. I was saying, like, hey, the book of Leviticus is, I believe a worship manual to the people of God. And so we really do need to consider it, especially as the church, as God's people, as the church. Sure. Um, but so that, but how that, how that works out in your secular life, which is everyone has a secular life, believe it or not. You are secular. You, you exist in the sphere of Multiple beliefs in right. a secular society. How does that work out there? And that's the hard question. It is the hard question, and that's the question that's that's at stake.
0: Yeah, and right.
1: What, it, what is best for for the society as a whole?
0: Right. Well, and I think Paul solves a lot of those problems in that every time he begins to make these arguments, especially moral arguments or anything like that, he always appeals not necessarily to the law, but to the image-bearing. Yeah. Of, so to a higher law yeah. to the very fact that we bear God's image and there's implications just built into that itself Yeah. Um, and so he's always making that appeal as he's speaking about like we need to move away from these things and we need to move away from that it's all because of our God, our bearing God's image and what Christ has done Yeah. so he's playing there a lot and, and that's helpful as right. a way of trying to understand how I interact with people who think differently than I do. Right. Because they bear God's image and yeah. they bring something good just simply because of that, even though I may mean, we're both broken yeah. image bearers. Yeah. But.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So so I the other thing that's been on my mind was addiction. And so this is a thing that I'm I'm curious, even in light of this conversation, so you know, addiction is a problem that you know the current administration is, is discussing and this is obviously a, a you know, you drive down the street, and um, or people come into the church. You know, we've had people in recent weeks, uh, all the time, and you know, we have regular people in our church dealing with addiction. We have people coming in who are dealing with addiction, trying to find help or a place to be. Um, and but then there's also there's a legal side of the things that are, you know, causing addiction and how those things are regulated. Um, stuff like that. So I've, I've been thinking about this and how, what, what do we do? I mean, it seems like a, you know, addiction is everywhere and there's all so many issues. Drug addiction is particularly, it just seems like it's, it's such a, such a huge deal now. It just seems to me as if there are so many addicts, um, especially drug addicts that are that where the Man, it just seems like where do you, how do you deal with this? How do you, what what can be done? Right. So what, yeah, you know, what do you, what, how do we engage with this as right. Christians? As as. Um, well, I
0: mean, we we are engaging in the sense that we have different you know institutions, yeah, um, from things like Teen Challenge to um, uh, the uh, Salvation Army. To a number of other addiction centers, right? right. They are trying to focus on these things. And then we have the secular places like Sonora and Palo Verde and right. Some of the rich places out there. And yeah. So we have systems that we're trying to handle addiction, but it. But if you're just thinking about okay, every day, church person, we're all trying to live out life together, and we all have addiction. We do. Yeah, and a lot of them have to do with drugs and, and alcohol and sex and pornography and food and technology. Technology that was on the radio the other day. I mean, We've become a culture about, yeah, of addiction.
1: That they've they've scientifically said like yeah the the patterns that we have with technology are the same as drug addiction. it, yes. is, it, is, the it yeah. is the same. Um, and and so it has to be
0: you know talked about and treated as the same. Right. Is, yeah. Well I I my argument is yes, all of the things that we do institutionally um and try to support um when it comes to rehab and inpatient, those are all good things and we should have more. And without the government's help <laughs> excuse me, we're not gonna be able to meet that. No. And the government stopped supporting these things thirty years ago, forty years ago. So yeah. there's that issue. Uh, but I think the church itself is not going to be able to handle it unless we begin to get serious about discipleship, mm-hmm. which means that we have to get messy in people's addictions. Right. And we as pastors have to be more vigilant about our own and exposing them and walking in front of people as we're dealing with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we're going to have to become churches to stop being like, it's a cool you know opportunity to hear some music and Andy preach and have some food. Like yeah. it, it has to become about, You know, those things help with life transformation, but if we're looking for an experience and not, you know, people who are going to come rub up against us and and force us to take life seriously and take Jesus seriously, I don't think we can solve the addiction issue in our lives. And I think the American church, one, because there isn't a lot of persecution, um, and persecution often makes our faith more serious. Yeah. And two, I think we're just so darn wealthy. Um, we don't, yeah. You know, we don't need it until our marriage is falling apart or our kid is, yeah. you know, kind of gone off the deep end and we don't know what to do or um, our friend dies suddenly and we don't know how to deal with loss. Right. Because we haven't contemplated life. We haven't grieved much for anything because death's not around us. Yeah. You know, we grieve for our dog that we had for 10 years. But most death is sort of transported over it's all dealt with by professionals
1: yes. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. It's happening all the time. I I took a, a casket I made um, for a family at the church down to the to the burial grounds and drove back in behind this very beautiful facade building to where there were all these roll up doors full of bodies. Dead people. Full of dead people. And there was this the staff back there I thought Whoa! you know, like they open up the door and we're, and now it's like, I felt like I was in this different situation. I thought these people, it's all day, every day, the messiness of death, unpacking these bodies, um, you know, seeing it all. But there's this facade put over it for everybody else.
0: Um,
1: And then of course there are all the people, the paramedics and all the people that, you know, but we have assigned that to professionals who are kind of callous to it all in a way. And the rest of us don't have to see. And they have to see it all the time to where they kind of aren't affected by it anymore. I mean, these guys are all just kind of joking around, having a snack, having a smoke. Right. Yeah. Sixty dead bodies around them.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause right, and the death we're exposed to is on video games and in movies. And, and yeah. We have very violent movies. Um, we have very violent video games. So we see death there. We see people yeah. stabbed all the time. Oh
1: yeah, right.
0: Um, but we're not connected to those people.
1: Yeah. So their stabbing isn't. I mean, well, I I heard a guy who was on the radio the other day talking about you know being having lost several of his friends to gun violence in Chicago. So there are there are segments of the society where that is actually the case, but for a large majority of us, it's yeah, no knife. I mean. I wonder if the video game where you're sinking knives into people's chests is the same when your friend was stabbed last week.
0: Yeah, do yeah. you have
1: the same experience? Probably not. Probably not. No. Um, but when that's not a thing for you, it's just like, ha ha, yeah. Right. Yeah. Which uh, actually, that was I was that the video game addiction thing I was listening to. I don't know, but they're technology and video games, especially, right. and and how they're being designed. Yes. For to keep an addict addicted, which then begs the question, what's, why is this okay? And, uh, you know, dispensaries bother me. Why doesn't GameStop? Right. right. GameStop <laughs> is a dispensary of, uh, yeah. of, an addictive substance that's yes. designed to, uh, addict us. Yeah. That, it made me
0: think yeah. there's a really good movie called addiction. Really? New just just addiction. Yeah. Yeah. That has, uh, it, it, it is about vampires, mm-hmm. but it's not your traditional vampire movie. Okay. Definitely should watch it.
1: Okay. Yeah, there was a, a pastor in Phoenix who I know was talking about how the addiction programs that he was that his church is trying to engage with weren't um, utilizing the Christian message as they pr- said they were. This mm-hmm. is part of what brought this up for me. And so his church about eight years ago started a, a program that was like decidedly Christian and um, what he was saying was that it, it has been very effective. Now I don't, I don't know. We're actually kind of looking into that as a church to
0: you can start your own investigate
1: that. Well, we're looking into what they've done okay. to learn more about that. And, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm very, I don't have a lot of clarity or I don't right. feel like I'm an expert here at all. So we're just looking into that. Yeah. But, um, how would you say, I mean, having, I mean, we sent somebody to the Salvation Army the other day and re- the reason we did that was because he said he'd had a good experience there before. And so of all the different places it seemed, we'll send him to the place where he seems to have had a good, he seems willing to go there. Right. So that was really why we chose it. I worked at the Salvation Army for a while. Um, but yeah, how, how do you feel about you know as like the specifically what what we have to offer as christians and what that has to say to addiction um and versus like you were saying the other, the facilities the medical i mean there's all of those well, things here, matter here's
0: here's my thing um the christian community being willing to surround a person who struggles with addiction and care for them and make their burden your burden is transformative but there's one thing that I've found over the last 20 years working with people and working with addiction is that addiction usually comes out of trauma. Yeah. And what the Christian community is really bad at is trauma therapy. And my argument is we, we send people to a lot of secular trauma therapists. Yeah. We find the ones we like and we send them there and we go talk to those therapists and we explain what we're doing as a community and they're really helpful. Hmm. Um, we haven't done a ton of that, but we're starting to do more of it. Uh, because what happens is your body, your physical body is keeping track of things in a way that your mind and heart and soul is not. Yeah. And that has to be dealt with in order to deal because part, to deal with your issues, because part of the thing is that addiction comes out of that trauma until you can get through those trauma triggers. It's very hard not to slip back into addiction. Yeah. And addiction is usually connected to abuse in your past, you know, neglect, all these issues have to be dealt with. And a lot of times, Christianity, our, our thing is, well, we'll just, you know, here's a set of the Bible and its verses and are mm-hmm. going to fix you. Mm-hmm. You just need to to meditate on it a certain way. And we're going to put a band aid on a very deep issue. Yeah, I mean, there,
1: there was a discussion among, in the same group of pastors who I, who I love and actually trust very much. But the part of the discussion was uh, had to do with um, walking with people who are addicted to pornography, mm-hmm. um, and the question I think that was put to the table is, "What do you do?" And the go-to answer that was given was, "You know, to memorize a certain verse." Mm-hmm. And though I don't think that I do not want to minimize that, I want to be very careful not to minimize the impact of God's word. But I just, as I was thinking about that, I thought, man, that that could so easily be a dismissive um, strategy to mm-hmm. kind of just go like, hey, here, memorize this verse, and then if they aren't dealing with it, the assumption could be well, they didn't believe it and they didn't memorize the verse. And um, whereas, like this, this goes down to, and for the verse to to help, you have to believe the verse, and believing these complex things about what Christ has done in us is not as simple as just like going, okay, I do. Right. It's like, that's worked out over a lifetime. And like you're saying in, in a community of, um, of like real commitment where people are like reinforcing that verse and sharing with you their struggle of believing that verse and every other verse there is. Right. And, you know, so it it was interesting though, that the go-to was just like, What verse do we memorize? Oh, no, 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 no. This has to be way more um, (laughs) life on life. This has to be way more personal.
0: Right. Right. Well, and I think there has to, my concern is usually that there isn't an understanding of how addiction works. So, Mm -hmm. for instance, with an extreme pornography addiction, your computer and any computer (laughs) is a... Arousal thing. It 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 arouses you now. So you're not aroused necessarily by the the pictures you're looking at. Your very computer triggers your brain to be aroused. So knowing even just that is a beginning. The The device itself is that way. You know what I usually say to people is, I don't say stop looking at pornography. Right, which would probably get me in trouble. But I say, if you just do me a favor and say, Jesus, will you come look at pornography with me? Like, mm-hmm. inviting Jesus into a very terrifying, addictive thing for you, even if you just open your mouth and say it, is a beginning. To, and and I have seen, historically, that helps the change begin. Because what you're doing is you're inviting a man who knows your struggles, who resisted your struggles, who is right. the holy God of the universe. And the discomfort that comes even with just that,
1: engaging with that yes. thing. right? right. That and idea it, that, like... Yeah, I mean, I've, I've described to you the thing with my dad and the, the movie and watching it with him and how it didn't feel, it didn't fit his presence and how powerful that was. Right. With the That he sat and watched that movie with me and I realized something that I didn't, the movie was exciting to me until my dad watched it with me. Right. And then it felt just, everything was wrong with it after right. that and I never watched it again. Uh, and... And I've, I haven't framed it that way, but I've encouraged people to think through that Jesus does not go away mad at you when you look at porn or, or, you know, get stoned or, or, you know, drunk. Yeah. As as drunk as you can be. Um, no, he's there and you're, you're together.
0: Right.
1: Um, and he's your father and he's your, and, and all of that is still true. Um, but it's but thinking of it as, like, he's in that with you and, like, kind of grieving, and but there and loves sure. you. So right. I've framed it that way rather than saying, hey, come look at porn with me. Right. Um, but but it, I think it's the same. Sure. We're getting at the same thing.
0: Right. Well, because the process is that if you begin to ask Jesus to be present and you're asking him to be present when you're not actually participating and when you're headed towards that. Like even when you participate in it, I believe the Holy Spirit will begin to not just grieve your heart as to what you're doing, but these people that you're looking at oh, yeah. are image bearers with yeah. whom God is, yes. is is just as much involved with and grieving over and at and, present in the room where
1: this was recorded. Yes.
0: And that that and he loves them dearly and yeah. wants them to walk away from what yeah. they're doing. So yeah. you begin to get a more fullness. It takes but a lot of times with addiction, no matter what it is, there's just a deep emptiness inside of us. Yeah. That we are longing to be filled. And if we can't touch that and figure out how it triggers these things. Right. Addiction, I mean, we're just going to be addicted. Yeah. I mean, community is important. People pursuing you, constantly asking you, making your burden their burden. I mean, uh, there have been people in our church who've handed over their computers and passworded them and. Yeah. You know, gave password to their routers in ways that they can't get on to them. Right. That's taking action. Yeah. You know, doing things and having a community hold you accountable. Is, when it comes to alcohol and harder drugs and all those kinds of things, that's complicated because there are consequences. Yeah. And when. Like you at know, certain at a certain point, you can't. Your brain doesn't work. Right. And money becomes the biggest issue. Yeah, there's really good rehab if you have but money but it's super expensive. Yeah, if you're poor, the rehab stinks, it's not going to help you,
1: it'll it'll detox you and then send you back out, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is where a, a ministry I used to work with um, in Chicago they worked, they were especially homeless men, and the they had built up over the years a, a large fund that was put there by churches that were supportive of them and they utilized it very rarely because uh, they, they couldn't, you know, they didn't, if, if they sent 10 men to, to the right program with this money, all the money would be gone. Right. So they only utilized it when somebody was seemed to be at rock bottom or extremely serious about facing their addiction. But when they, when somebody was there, they would employ a, a large sum of money um, to give them excellent i mean they they'd send them out of state to a premier facility and never bring them back to chicago and relocate them after that and like really invested in their their recovery that's awesome yeah and and they could and they but they had to just and i think that was the painful part was knowing we can't do this for everybody but when somebody's ready for it we can Um, and that took them years to to figure that out i think and build that up um But that, you know, I learned something about that, that that's, and the pastor there said at that, the church that was facilitating that, he said, that's, he said, you know, anything less than that isn't going to stick. And then other than that, he said, my ministry is to keep people from dying and hope they come to this point. Right. And most of them, we just kind of help them stay alive. Right. Just because they are people.
0: Right. Well, I think the question becomes too, let's just go back to church for a second. In addiction is people walk in. You as a speaker, me as a preacher, us, us as people bringing the word of God. We have to really think about what we're actually talking about. Cause if we get lost in the text and someone's wrestling with addiction
1: and we've, and now we've just like unpacked all the interesting things from so
0: and so scripture and. Right. Okay. Or we've just given them little band-aid applications that are to, you know, do this and your life will be better. Yeah. Then we're not been honest. We haven't been honest about what scripture's saying, I don't think, or what the call of our community is. Mm. And so I think that's, that's a heavy burden. Because I think the world is changing in the sense of who's walking in the church. Yeah. Like, I, I think, you know, people are less literate when it comes to Scripture and on top of that, they're they're not hunting for like deep exegesis. They're hunting for something Anything. deep. It's for their soul. And and so, you know, that's a big burden. That's I mean, that's what we're called to is to try to help them walk down that path.
1: It does seem, especially in our context, and this, and I I don't wanna I don't wanna go too far in saying this, but the the general cultural shift for people who are Feel as if they're doing well is not to be in a worshiping community, um, and so I feel like we aren't seeing as many of those people grace the doors, but we are seeing a lot of desperate people right. walk in and give it a try. Right. Um, and uh, and that actually, by desperate, I don't mean just because they're poor or just because they're addicted. I mean there's or. They're different versions of poor and addicted, right? So, Well, and I think what but, we said earlier, we're all in that. Like, we're all yeah, addicted to this thing
0: right here, this phone. Right. Yeah, I know. To technology, to movies, to... to
1: and we have to be able to, to get to where we can really, instead of saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, no, I'm no, I'm not. <laughs> and then that can speak to people who aren't, right? Right. Um, but it does seem, and, it, and it, the interesting thing, though, is I think this is a really good... I think this is a good thing because what is, what does the Bible say? Like God, I mean, he uses the weak. um, He uses the things that are not to shame the things that are. He uses the unwise to shame the wise. So is this a renewal of the church? I think it might be that, that all of the the people who are doing just fine actually are kind of starting to disengage and the people who are not doing just fine are starting to come.
0: Or hopefully the people who are just fine are realizing that they're not not just just fine. That would be, that would be the best, right?
1: Um, but the, it does feel like culturally in the States, at least in my world and probably in yours, um, it, it, people are more willing to come in and say, look, I don't, I'm not okay.
0: Right. And, uh, and I don't
1: view that as like, oh man, we got, we got the tough people here. It's like, this is the people that God could use, right? Like these are the sure. people who could shame the wise.
0: And hopefully that's us. Yeah. Like, but we're honest enough to be those weak people. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Um,
0: so, Which leads you're, us to two you're services. so weak <laughs> that you're starting two <laughs> services. I knew that was coming. <laughs> you're so weak, it's two service time. And you're not going to two service time, but I talked to my co pastor who said, I think that uh, church needs to go to two services. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? Well, you know, he had some, you know, feeding lines. You know, he has some opinions about it. Oh, so, yeah.
1: Well, part of that's an infrastructure thing where,
0: We've got two rooms we that kind of are built still out super dusty and so yeah. Well um, that's why we're going to two services is infrastructure. Yeah. We and have and that'll tiny, be a factor for us too. Tiny probably. little sanctuary. Yeah. and I think it's including the stage, which we do have the band on, but it's off to the side. We're only eighteen hundred square feet. Yeah. This doesn't fit a lot of
1: we're hardly bigger. I think our main rooms the whole building is forty five hundred, but right, I think the main is rooms five. around two thousand.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's we're a little church. Yeah. And so yeah, we're gonna have little services. I, I think it's funny we have a couple of videos online of the band playing music and the camera. One of them is like ten years ago, right? Yeah. Eight years ago, camera swings around, and the whole. I look out. You know, you look out over the the audience of the community. And there, there maybe there's twenty five, yeah, thirty people sitting in there. Yeah, And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's how it was in the old days. Yeah, That's how it's going to be again yeah. in the two services. Right. And, and that was what was very effective for us.
1: Right, and is that you could actually know everybody in the room,
0: right? Yeah. So, yeah. And there was really, if you were new, to go sink into a couch and not feel like there's going to be 80 people standing around you, squished in on you. Yeah. Um, and that, that's good, I think. Yeah. We'll see what happens with all that.
1: There's a discomfort to small... There's, it's a, sure. There, that's a hard, uh, I mean, and I think for some, I, I noticed back when we were small, there were certain people that liked it and then we're not, we're still small, but a different version of small. Like now that a service might, might have a hundred folks, um, there's some of those people, it's not for them anymore, I think. Right. And then, and then other people have been like, okay, like now, <laughs> all right, now finally I feel okay. Like we're, there's right. enough of us here, you know? Right. Um, sure, there's a certain energy
0: when you hit about 75, yeah. 80 adults inside a room right? that provide, you know, the music kind of will melt into the bodies and then everybody's yeah. singing. You can hear everyone singing. The, the preacher can at least find five people who think he's funny yeah. instead of just his wife, yeah. Yeah. right? You well, know, there's a little bit more. My wife thinks you're funny. Yeah, well, you know. are lucky. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> My okay. wife thinks I'm funny sometimes. That's good. She's funnier than me. So, yeah, we're going to two services for that reason. I mean, and that we just have a lot of children, and our classrooms are big and full. Yeah. So.
1: That's, we're moving that direction, though. We're not not in your position there. There is another thing, too, though, when you visit, and I I feel this way. If I walk into a room where there's, like, ten people, I don't feel like I can just sink into the couch and not as many people approach me. I feel like all 10 of them are aware of me, and that's uncomfortable. But when there's 80, I feel like I can kind of, like, walk in, get the lay of the land. I don't get swarmed. Right, And right. then a couple people might come over. So I'm I'm more comfortable there.
0: Yeah. Are
1: you more comfortable speaking to a smaller group or a big group?
0: Uh, I prefer a
1: bigger group. I, I would – a 5,000-person church would feel so comfortable to me. <laughs> 5,000 might like, be a lot. But it's just the sea of faces where I don't right. know anybody's – like, right. I don't have this sense of, like, what – what are you doing right now? Right. But when I look out and, you know, someone's like, you know, snoozing over there and then over here, you know, right. somebody's like on their phone and I like, go, oh, are you addicted to your phone? Are you taking copious notes or what's happening? <laughs> I just have this awareness, like sure. self-awareness and awareness of individuals that's hard.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think we, we've talked a lot in, in our elder meetings about how do you innovate with smaller groups? Yeah. I mean, and, that's, and we've started even now practicing and changing our, our style of speaking. So, I mean, we bring a whiteboard up front. We've got, we got volunteers coming up and doing something. I had a 10-year-old holding a weight over her head for 10 minutes during, while I wow. spoke. And <laughs> that got wow. people's attention because they were worried she was going to drop the yeah. weight. You know, just talk about burdens and things. So yeah. try to engage the crowd to keep them from looking at their phone and be right. part of it as a smaller group. Yeah. So, so interesting. think about of of many different ways to help people learn. Yeah. Like that thing. Are we? I we've, know that when you uh, start saying, yeah, uh-huh, we're headed towards the end, aren't we? We're done. We're done, yeah. Yeah. So, thanks for joining <laughs> us on the uh, so, Wait, practice. You were just about great. to say something. I was about to say, I think we should uh,
1: wrap it up. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: We want to just bang it out at twenty minutes. I want to do a John Piper. All right, let's talk about men today, and the be for me. Is that what John Piper day. does? Just people just men. ask questions, like, "Why should can men have long hair?" That was in one. Or the answer is no; it's wrong. Okay, okay. yeah, I could see cut your hair. Cut my hair. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Should men compliment. not wear gel in their hair? Mm. That's probably also right wrong. That's what I'm doing. That got me in trouble on a radio show once. All right. By the way I'm speaking, can you tell I'm recording? Can you tell something's changed? <laughs> yeah, I can tell.
0: You're you're, you're you're going after me all the time. That's, that's what Starting I do. Starting this thing. That's what
1: I do when we're recording.
0: Yeah. Hey. You put these cool things in there, and then you don't want them to, to be deleted. I do want them to be deleted. I don't, I don't want this to be deleted. I don't want this to be deleted. Maybe this could go like at the very end. The podcast could go, and then there's, all like like sudden, outtakes there's an take at the end.